You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast brought to you by ascully.com. And here are your hosts, Ace Scully and Sid Talk. Hello, Sid Talk. Yellow. You're, you're never the first one to speak. Nope. I'm Excellent. always the last one, though. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So there's some trivia for you. Always so, true. <laughs> what were we talking about before the after the show? The before the after the show discussion was not pleasant, but it was about movies fictionalizing the idea of revenge. And the genre you ended up looking at was rape slash revenge movies. It's and a whole of genre. Which, of which there are many, and they're told in many different styles, but it's always the same. It's very severe, and you would think that I would think if you took a bunch of just as young men grow up, just show them all of them and <laughs> be like, just get in your head. Don't be a fucking monster. It's very simple because this is going to happen to you, period. Um, so, Sita, what's your favorite rape revenge movie? I don't have one. I don't think it's a funny subject, so I don't have one. Is that, it's not funny. I'm just asking you. I don't have a I, favorite. I, have I don't see it that way. I think it is just like a thing like telling like it's a cautionary tale so i don't think i have a favorite mine is either straw dogs sam peckinpah's straw dogs the original right it was remade at some point yeah the original that that remake nah no 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 the the original with dustin hoffman and susan george very very cool and good film my other one is the the original i spit on your grave which i don't think you've seen yet um, not the original, no. I watched the remake. Yeah, and the remake's actually pretty good. Um, it was one Sorry, of those... I don't know that. <laughs> Apparently, our um, Amazon device doesn't know that. <laughs> She's listening very closely. <laughs> <laughs> to anyone who thinks that it's spying on you, your A-word, we call her A-word, the Alexa device, or any other smart device, they are listening to you at all yeah, times. Just occasionally they tell us things, or they pipe up. Or... <laughs> She'll tell the weather without <laughs> us asking. It's great. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that, that is a genre of movies. There are many of them. We'll talk about another one later. That's what brought Correct. that discussion. So um, it is the weekend of Saturday, July the 28th. This is after the show number 541. We're a movie review podcast. We review a movie. And this week's movie is Ready Player One. It's a 2018 movie released on Blu-ray and 4K on July the 24th. So you can pick this up now. It's rated, what is it rated? PG-13. It's from our friends at Warner Brothers who sent us a copy of the 4K disc to review. And Sid Tart will give you the synopsis of Ready Player One. Um, it's uh, the big bad overlord versus the little underdog, but in virtual reality. Nice. Ta-da. The end. <laughs> All right, so um, Ready Player One... Is orig- was originally a best-selling book by Ernest Cline. And I read that book. I don't read a lot of books, but that book, um, when I heard what it was about, kind of spoke to me, so I read it. It's a book about... Um, well, the book more so than the movie, because I don't think the movie carries through with what the book actually does. The book is a love letter to 80s culture, pop culture, and... 
it is very, very specific and very, very detailed of mentioning lots of 80s pop culture. I don't think that after watching the movie three times now, I don't think the movie delivers on that. Mm. Even though it does contain some of it, it doesn't really um, run with it as much. It's like it's it's on the back burner kind of thing. It doesn't run with it as much as the book, you mean? Yeah. Like, the book. As you read the book, you felt it more. Yeah, the book was all about references and almost every reference I understood. You know, they talk about the A-team. They talk, you know, obviously a book can go into more detail. I don't think the movie carries through with that. But what the movie does is, like um, Ernest Klein says in the extras on this Blu-ray, that it kind of takes the core story of his his book and brings it alive on the screen, which I do agree with. Um, so the movie, um, it well, the movie and the book, it revolves around our hero, Wade Watts, and he is living in a dystopian future. They kind of briefly touch on what happened to our world in it. There was Very the corn, briefly. The corn syrup riots or something. No, the corn Crisis. syrup shortage yeah. and the bandwidth riots. Right, so things... You know, our world, it doesn't look like we were bombed or anything like that, does it? It, it, We just fucked everything up. Yeah, we messed it up, kind of. And what happens in in the book and in the movie is the world goes to crap and we, two guys invent this virtual reality um, world called the Oasis, which you can do anything in. You put on a headset and you can, you know, live another life. But it's probably better than the one in real in real world terms. And it revolves around our hero, who, the guy who created the Oasis, one of the guys, left an Easter egg in there, which if you can solve these puzzles, you can win full ownership of the Oasis and everything that comes with it, money and complete control over it. So our heroes are trying to, you know, figure that out. And that's what the movie consists of. So it kind of boils down to it being an adventure movie in that way, right? Like a Oh, definitely. It's almost like, you know, Indiana Jones goes on his little quest in each movie. This is, you know, a series of three quests that they go on to do. So me as a reader of the book, and I have now seen the movie three times, and I've enjoyed it every time. And I know it is very different to the book, but I enjoy what it is as a standalone thing as well, you know? I I feel like it's enjoyable even though I'm always like watching it going, oh, I wish they'd have done this bit from the book, but maybe they'll do that in a sequel or whatever, you know? So you did not read the book. No, and you know my feelings about this comparison bullshit. It's a book and it's a movie. They're two different things. Completely different things. And if you keep cross-pollinating, it's your own fault. It's not the filmmaker's fault. You did. You just said you keep thinking, oh, maybe they'll do this, maybe that. You have to just block it out. And it didn't spoil my enjoyment, is what I'm saying. So I know, but you're still comparing them. It drives me nuts. So what... Uh, all right, with no comparisons whatsoever to anything. I can't compare them because I didn't read the book. That's what I'm saying. What did you think of the movie? I didn't like it as much the first time as I did this time. No, why... Oh, okay, I'll ask you the question. Why didn't you like it the first time? Um, It just seemed like something was missing. Because I was so focused on kind of keeping up with, it was pretty much, it's pretty much breakneck. You know, you get right into the world and you get right into the thing and they're going straight for the keys and they're going straight for the whatever. So I'm really focused on that and not looking around 
and not taking my time to really focus on the performances and all that kind of stuff. And so it just seemed like I all I got was this hint of 80s vibe movies. You know, as I'm watching it, it's definitely got a Goonies vibe. It's definitely got all that stuff you said. Kind of innocence versus the big bad overlord thing, you know what I mean? And so I don't think I was really charmed by it. And then this time, I watched very closely. I looked all over the whole screen. I paid more attention to every little thing on their faces as they're talking, as they're looking around. I got to know them better. Obviously, second time around, you already have a bunch of stuff to fill in. Yeah. You know, from the first time you've seen it. And I just think I enjoyed it more. I enjoyed the race more the first time. I was like, oh my God, could this please end? It's so boring. Because I don't like car chases and races. Um at this time, what the race is. The race is, in the beginning, it's one of the hunts for one of the keys, one of the big portions of the game. And it's just all these different vehicles with references to, only if you know them, 80s things, movies and video games, television shows and whatnot. I barely recognized any, so it didn't re- that didn't resonate with me at all. So that's one of those things. I'm watching this race of a bunch of digital vehicles and the first time, it was just like, bah, 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 you know, like, and this time, I just slowed my brain down and watched very carefully. And then the shots with the sun shining through and the look of it all, it kind of won me over. The King Kong looked amazing. The first time, I wasn't focused on him. I was just focused on the vehicles. He looked awesome. Um, so that was what the race was. I just think this time, I took the time to pay attention. I knew the story now. So now I wanted to pay attention to the to the packaging, and it made it so much better. Yeah, technically this movie is pretty amazing. I mean, it is. What's really cool about it is because it is a virtual world that you're dealing with. It doesn't have to look real, but it does. It, it, it skirts the real and the virtual world, doesn't it? You know, Absolutely. The, cars, the cars look super real, right? So and so does the bikes. And the part that you're going to talk about a lot will be going into The Shining because you were convinced, and I was convinced, they just used all footage from the movie and put the digital people in. Yeah. So to explain, the second uh, key in this movie, well, when we're talking about the trying to figure out this Easter egg, they figure out the second part, and the second part. Oh, these spoilers, by the way. I hope you know. Yeah. We're telling you this plot of the movie. The I got over the spoilers. Like the, uh, the, they go actually into the movie The Shining by Stanley Kubrick, which you will all know and love, hopefully. Nah, not everybody knows and loves it. That's why I said hopefully. So, um, you know, most people do know The Shining. It's a classic, like an American classic. Um, I know, but I think that that's a misconception just because we are super familiar with it. We think that, uh, and we are now two to three generations past people who are now starting to watch movies, and you have to remember, they're not all watching it. And a lot of the people our age and the generations, two or three generations older than us, are dying off and are less of us. So just keep that in mind. It's, it's super still, popular. It's still out but, there, though, and it's like syndicated on TV and, you know, people Yeah, see but it. I would say if you asked a thousand people as you walk down the street... You wouldn't get the same numbers as you would have 30 years ago who are super familiar with it, like our age and two generations older. But hmm. it's a popular movie. People have heard of it. What's going to happen is they're going to remake it shortly. <laughs> and that's when uh, all this generation will get into it. But uh, yeah, you, it goes in. Our characters in this movie, which are their virtual avatars, go into the movie The Shining and 
I saw it the first time and I'm a big fan of The Shining and the atmosphere, you know, as soon as that music comes on, they do the main theme from The Shining as they're walking into the theatre and then they go through the theatre doors and then they're actually in the hotel from The Shining. Yeah, like just in it. Yeah, in it, like, <laughs> properly. Like, like there are, and I said to you when we came out, of the, we watched this on the cinema actually when it came out and when I came out of there, I said to you, how the hell did they do the shining part? Because there are angles of that hotel that I did not see in the film. So did they take that from deleted footage or what? What did we learn today? They made it all up. They recreated the entire hotel and the scenes from the hotel in 3D CG. And it was all CG. Yeah. Like even that ILM guy who was impressed with his own. He was like... <laughs> This is the most detailed digital set I've ever seen. Like, it's, you know, it, and it's unbelievable. It, it looks like you're in the movie. There's nothing about it that looks phony. No, the texture of the wall, the filter that there's on it, it's just you're convinced that they've just plugged these digital people in. So yeah, it was cool. the lighting on them, it looks like they're in that place. It's, it's all, and, you know, the little girls come by the elevator. If you've seen The Shining, you know what I'm talking about. Some little girls in an elevator. I thought they were the little girls from the movie. I thought they just took the footage, but they actually got some girls who looked like those girls. Well, they put faces on them, but yeah. yeah. they did, but... And I was like, the whole thing, that whole... St- the whole Shining sequence is unbelievable to me. I love it. Some people say, oh, I've seen some reviews saying, oh, I hate that Shining sequence. They've ruined what Kubik stands for and all that, but shut up, really. Come on. <laughs> Oh well, yeah, you're entitled to an opinion. It's just that then don't watch it again and don't just tell people. I mean, you're entitled to an opinion, but did you know Stanley Kubrick? Also, <laughs> like, do you know exactly precisely what he would think, or would you like to ask his wife, who actually was there as a consultant, yeah, who approved? Exactly. So again, it's not him. But seriously, people. Also, do you realize grow the that, fuck up? That it's such. Was- one of um, Spielberg's best friends in real life. Also, I know that matters because you're all just a bunch of whiny pissants. Well, it's good. <laughs> Get over I yourselves. Mean, so, yeah, it, I didn't have any idea that it was fully CG. I didn't have any idea that um, Kubrick's wife and who was the other guy? I think it was his Cousin? son-in-law or brother-in-law. I can't remember. Yeah, I mean, they, they were there to approve it all. So... It's unbelievable. That whole sequence, I think, is worth seeing this film for. If you're into films and you're like, wow, you'll be like, wow, The Shining is, it came back to life, the whole thing. And the the bit in the maze, you know, it's a really interesting twist on what the maze is in the real movie, you know, and it's got some, I don't know, it's just really good. And I also like the, the room that they go into with the dancing zombie ghosts. Yeah. You know, it's just all, it's so cool. Like it's, And like I said to you, in the book, there is no Shining sequence. It's a Ferris Bueller's Day Off and the Breakfast Club sequence. That's the difference. They just use a different film to do that sequence. And just so uh, people who do complain know, the man who wrote the book also wrote the screenplay. Yeah. So he was completely present and aware and contributed. Well, Zach Penn wrote the screenplay, but... So did this guy. He was on the credits for... was um, like a consultant, right, to Zach um, I think they both wrote it. All right. I remember him saying on those extras, I could just, Zach Penn, who wrote it, said I could just call Ernie up now and just ask him 
Right. So that means everything you wrote, he got approval for. It's the same thing as him sitting him. If he sat there and said, I'm going to have him do this, this and this. What do you think? And he said, yes. And then he wrote it down. It's the same thing. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the difference. There's a there's a shining sequence, which I think works perfectly in this movie. And the thing that happens in the book with the different um, John Hughes films, it wouldn't really work in this situation. It's it's something that would be long and drug, drug out. So I really liked it. I, f- I thought that sequence is amazing. I could watch that sequence again right now. I just it's really fun. Um, and then the third key part is a big battle. What do you think of that big battle at the end? Um, I'm pretty neutral on it. Still, didn't do much for me. I'm not a big battle scene person. I wasn't a big huge fan of the one on the what was it called? Lord of the Rings. Right. You know that was like okay, I get it. We're fighting. We're throwing rocks. We're blowing shit up. Blah blah blah. Again, technically, it's really cool. It is, it's not though, because you can barely catch anything. Only time you can see who's what is when you get like a split second of one shot of 10 or 12 characters running towards you or running at the side where you can kind of get an idea of who's what by the shape of it. Very rarely do you get to sit and like really soak up what's going on. And so, no, I'm not a huge fan of that. I find the only time. Like, I really like that end battle. Um, it's really cool. I think it um, has some really good sound effects. It's, like, really intense. There's a lot of characters on the screen at once. Um, I do agree that you, again, in the book, they talk about, like, all the different characters who are on the battlefield. They actually, dis- you know, talk about them. Oh, there's Gundam, and there's Godzilla, and there's King Kong. and You know, the- in the big battle on the screen, it's hard to describe anything. You You've got to see it and recognize it right so correct the way the way they did it ilm is the only time you'll see or recognize something is when they want you to see or recognize it so when freddy krueger gets blasted in the corner of the screen they make a point of that being the focus so you go oh there's freddy krueger but i was looking at things today the third time i was trying not to look at the main things they were trying to make you look at and there's so many other things. Like, I saw Overwatch. I saw Starcraft. I saw the Teletubbies running around. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff running around on that battlefield that you will never see unless you, like, pause it and look on the Blu-ray. So a lot of that is lost. That's what I was saying to you. A lot of the nostalgia is lost. If you just look at that battle sequence and don't really pay attention to what anything is, it just looks like a load of stuff shooting, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like... Anything in particular. It's That's all- what I'm saying. It just is a big battle that takes a little bit too long. And I was like, okay, get on with it. But, you know, they, they do a couple of things that you cannot not know what it is. You know, they met Chucky appears. It's quite clear that's Chucky. And it's quite, you know, they make sure you know it's happening. Um, but, like, if I didn't know you, then I wouldn't know the Halo people. That wouldn't mean anything no. to me. That would you, be like, you, well, there's a bunch of guys in a bunch of big suits. Did so you recognize I- the Overwatch people at nope. all? No, so and I did, but only because I play it all the time, right? So it's I just have to grasp that human beings on the outside world are wanting to be these fictional things, so they all must be something, right? <laughs> That's kind of where I left it. So yeah, I think a lot of that gets lost, and they do try to cut at the beginning where they do that fly through of the virtual world, which I still love with the part where it goes all the way through the worlds, shows your Minecraft world and all the different places. Yeah. And they try to, like, say there, oh, look, you can go climbing a mountain with Batman. 
and then they show that was a bit you, fast though as well i thought yeah i think so too then they show you all the avatars and say you can be anything from a cartoon character to a you, you know anything you want and it shows you a bunch of them moving but again it's hard to tell what they all are i mean you just quickly i was like okay there's harley quinn i see her i see an overwatch character and i see like I don't know what, a ninja or something? It's probably something, but I don't get it, you know? So you don't know, like, um, I mean, you know what Mecha Godzilla is. No. I mean, you've seen Godzilla movies. Yeah, but I wouldn't, that doesn't ring, it just, I'm like, oh, they made a robot of Godzilla. You definitely don't <laughs> know what Voltron is. Don't think so. When he turns into that. Because no. that's a that's an anime. That, anime. Yeah, that, you know, it's huge. It, You know, anybody who's into anime... And Japanese audiences, for instance, where that is just like, it's the, it's so big. It's like Star Wars. It would be a massive deal. But to like a Westerner who's not into it, <laughs> it doesn't come across as anything to me. It's like, oh, it's a robot, right? With a sword. Correct. <laughs> like, I don't, you know. The pose in the sky when he, there's like, da-da. Yeah. That's the only thing. Because I've seen that mimicked or mocked or paid homage to in so many different things that I got like, oh, that must be anime. Yeah, because that, yeah, when he does that, that Gundam, it is. When he does, it's not Voltron, it's Gundam. But when he does the thing in the sky, yeah, it is very of that show. And, you know, there's a lot of those things that will be lost on most people, I imagine. You know? Mm -hmm. Everybody knows Freddy Krueger, probably, but they probably don't know Gundam. Not everybody. When you say everybody, you can't mean everybody, because not everybody watches stuff. I mean, pop culture fans of the 80s Mm. who followed, you know, along with movies and TV and stuff, they've probably seen Freddy Krueger, and they've probably seen Chucky, right? You know? At some point. They might not remember who Chucky is, but when Uh you see him coming at you with a knife... Right, that's not everybody, though. Yeah, all right. I mean, need to be more specific. <laughs> I don't want to tell you to be specific. I'm just saying it's not correct to assume everyone watches as many movies as we do. Yeah, I don't mean everybody. I mean movie fans and people who have followed pop culture, <laughs> which is a lot of people, right? Yeah. You know, there are people who don't pay attention to movies at all, but I think they're less than the people who do. Oh, no, I disagree. There's 8 billion people on the planet almost, so, you know. Don't you think more of a percentage of watch movies I don't, at some point? I don't know. That's I don't know. That'd be an interesting t- statistic. But it I would, would think most humans would probably be interested in watching a movie here and there. You know, well, I don't live in a war zone, or I, and I'm not starving to death somewhere, so I don't know if everyone would be watching movies. I didn't say everyone. I said most people, like a, a majority more. The starving people ain't got no movies right to see that's what i'm saying but they're part of everyone yeah but they're not i, I was saying there's a percentage is better <laughs> you know <laughs> the amount of money that movies make when you see they make a billion dollars in the cinema that's a lot of people seeing movies true right? i mean that's probably more than 50 percent of the population i don't agree with that but okay you don't agree with that i don't but i don't know statistically just doesn't sound right but that's a whole other topic. Yeah, it sounds very, it's, it, I think that sounds, I think that sounds conservative that 50% of the population would watch a movie in their life. You know? Okay. We'll need somebody to tell us. Well, let's have you, why do you think that that wouldn't be true? Because there's a lot of people. And just because we live a life where we watch a lot of movies doesn't mean that most human beings who exist have that kind of access or inclination or luxury. 
And I don't think it's most people, but I don't know. Like I said, it's a whole other topic. I'm just Interesting being Interesting topic, that's why I'm on it. It is. So yeah, somebody email me with the statistics of how <laughs> many people in the world have watched a movie in no their life. No one's going to know that. Somebody will. Somebody will done a, uh, have you ever asked. watched a movie in your life and they've ticked a box? You know my feelings on statistics. No one's going to have to ask every person. So um, for the story and the movie making and the uh, experience of Ready Player One, what's your uh, vote on that? Second time, much better. Storytelling, like I've said before, it's the same story we tell a lot of times over and over and over. Big big bad guy versus little good guy. You know, somebody trying to take over the world, in essence, um, and then somehow gets defeated by the will of the people. So it's the same story, but I like it much better second time around. Much more fun, much more, I was more like, okay, well, if I don't get everything, that's cool. And as I've said before with Spielberg... With Spielberg, there's a certain amount of, and I like to call it Spielberg schmaltz. Do you get what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. And this movie... There's a romance that you can't quite define. Yeah. And this movie, the last five minutes of it is, there's so much schmaltz. It, <laughs> yeah. almost, it almost makes your brain explode. It's like, oh, no, oh, it's so, it's almost back to old time, like, slapstick movies. You know when... You know that scene where they're panning away from our heroes and then you see Sorrento being pushed into the... Yep. And it's like, it's almost Three Stooges-ish. Absolutely. Like, yeah, you know, that all that stuff reminds me. I'm like, oh yeah, this is Spielberg. Because that is what I think of. You know, I think of that with Raiders of Lost Ark and he is an old time, you know, he was inspired by movies of, what, the 30s? Like, he was into action. Like, he actually wasn't inspired by movies at first, was he? He was inspired by, like, radio plays from the 30s. Right. And all those adventure things. But this movie's got a gloss of that over it. You know, it's the it's all wrapped up in a neat little bow at the end. Isn't it? Definitely. Definitely. But, on the other side of that, it's like the most cutting-edge thing you've ever seen, like, technically. And Spielberg's an oldish guy, and he's... You know, we just watched the extras for this movie. And didn't it look to you like Spielberg enjoys technology in like... It seemed like it, but then he said it was not half of the fun. He he was making it very clear that it wasn't necessarily like something he was totally into, except he looked like he was. He looked like, like they give him like this new rig where he can basically... Like yeah, the, that was cool. Yeah, direct. They basically put him in a virtual set through through virtual reality with an actual camera in his hand, and then he can be a film director inside a virtual set, right? Yeah, and see what his shots are going to look like. Yeah, his look on his face was like a kid at Christmas with a brand new toy. It was like, I can do this. This is like, whoa, you know, things are really going to change. Like, so yeah, if you watch the extras on this, you'll see some enthusiasm. You know, how old is Spielberg? Oh, I don't know. Alexa, how old is Steven Spielberg? Steven Spielberg is 71 years old. He was born on December 18, 1946. Did that answer your question? <laughs> yes, yeah. it did. Thank you. <laughs> you might not have heard her, but she told us he's 71 years old. 71. <laughs> he's 71 years old, and he is, uh, from what I was seeing there, he loves making movies. You know? I agree. Like, it's his thing, like, being on the set, making a movie. So, um, let's get into the cast here. Ty Sheridan plays Parzival, or Wade Watts, if you want to call him that. 
What do you think of Ty? I thought it was good. I liked him better the second time yet again because I was just paying more attention to different things and I I liked him. He, is, he was subtle, understated, not over the top ever. Just, you know, like a kid who would have had the life he had and I was convinced he was who he was pretending to be. We actually only I've only ever seen him in one other thing and it was the Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse which we actually reviewed and really liked a lot. And he was good in that too, right? Mm-hmm. But he is um he's one of those um actors who I think I, f- I feel like it's natural to him even though he probably wouldn't if you asked him he'd say no no it's really hard <laughs> <laughs> but he seems really natural to me like he's I don't know like he is that kid and even in the scout's guide to the zombie apocalypse when he's murdering zombies maybe he's a one trick pony and that's just how he is maybe <laughs> he just got lucky so Olivia Cook plays Sam Cook uh, also known as Artemis I have the same issue with this young lady, which has nothing to do with her, as I did the first time I watched it. And people are like, this is controversial, but it really pisses me off that in the game, she's like, oh, you're not going to want to meet me because, and she knows what's wrong with her, quote unquote. And then when he meets her, she has some stupid little birthmark on her eye, but she's fucking gorgeous. And it's like, oh, I'm so ugly. And I've been revealed to be so ugly. And I feel so bad about myself. And it's really annoying. Because yeah. she's gorgeous. And that's fine. That's not her fault. But using that as a tool or a thing in the story, I was just like, well, then in real life, they need to do something more horrible to her. I mean, like, come on. There's nothing. Her character that she's designed in the game, or, you know, in the Oasis is really unique and interesting and kind of weird looking and and definitely she's compensating for how she feels about this little birthmark on her eye but then to make it as if you're he's supposed to love her in spite of it you said i'm it's not disappointed so, yeah it's like so horrible her beautiful gorgeous face and beautiful gorgeous body and this little red thing on her eye i yeah. mean that just i felt like it was a really annoying way to wiggle that in there but she was fine. She was very genuine a lot of the times when she's looking at him and doing her thing. And even the her performance, you know, her the dots on her face and all that is how you get her CGI character to do the reactions. And I don't know how much work they do on that, but I thought it was I thought she was good. I thought her performance capture was really good. You know when yeah. you could, it captured all the subtlety stuff, like you know when she first meets him inside the oasis and the bike is She's getting the bike repaired. You know that part? Yeah. And she's like kind of teasing him a little bit when she's talking to him because she knows he's freaking out and she's like cool and calm. There's a lot of like subtle face stuff that comes off where you're like, oh yeah, I know what she's thinking. Yeah. Um, What was really funny this week is Honest Trailers did a Ready Player One thing and they were like, um, meet, uh, you know, Artemis, and it's like, and then it shows you her with that when she's showing a birthmark to him, yeah. and she when when her hair just comes off her eye, and it goes. <laughs> the narrator says she's got a birthmark that's not very easy to see in certain lighting conditions. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one who picked up on this. A little bit like, really. <laughs> so, so for all you people really cool. who do have a thing that you feel really self conscious about, it's really not nothing compared to that little tiny birthmark on her face. I, but aside from that, and I do agree that that was not much of a birthmark, to be honest. No. Yes, it might make a girl feel really self-conscious and awkward because of it. Like, they might 
Who knows? But it, it was just one of those things where the girl takes off her glasses and lets her ponytail down, and she's a yeah. porn star. I would have you know done I mean? more like she's burned or something, something that really makes her face look... Well, what was it in the book? I mean, I don't care about the book, but what are we trying to convey here? She was disfigured. Here? I don't remember how... It was worse, though. It, I mean, it, it came across as... Okay, so they're being cinematic, and they're trying to make it more so she's just gorgeous, and we want to look at her, and yeah. everybody, every boy wants her, and every girl wants to be we her. can't hire no ugly actress. <laughs> with her actual birthmark. That's the thing. Hollywood now will be all upset, because a girl, yeah. with or a woman with an actual birthmark on her eye, could have been the person for that role. But there again, you're right. It's nothing to do with her. It's correct, to do with correct. The, whoever decided we need a. An she did fine with the part. Yeah, uh, Ben Mendelsohn plays Sorrento. You know what I think about Ben Mendelsohn. <laughs> you love him. I loved him in what was the? I always forget the name of this movie. The one that Ryan Gosling directed, where he does that weird dance at the end. Hmm. You know which one I mean? It had Doctor Who in it. Oh, something Lake or Creek or yes, something Creek Lake. Creek Lake. No, I think it was that. (laughs) It's the only movie that Ryan Gosling's directed. It's really weird. It is extremely, like, It's really fun, though. I really... It is weird, but it's good. Yeah. I like it. Who else did it have in it? Who was the lady? Was it... Was it my... Was it Madman Lady? Joan? Was she in it? Um, yes. Yeah, she was in... And it's called Lost River. Lost River, Creek Lake. (laughs) Yeah. Ben Mendelsohn in that movie, that's when he won me over. I was like, oh my God, this guy. And then we saw him again, in, obviously, in Rogue One as the baddie. And now in this He's one, good. He's good. I like him. Yeah. Now, I think he put his all into this Sorrento character. It, it's not just when he's speaking. It's the way he moves. I don't know if that's just the way he moves. You know what I mean? He yep. kind of sleeks around like he's like a lizard or something. It's kind of weird the way he moves. I, I, so you're either making fun of the real man for the way that he walks, or you're <laughs> yeah. saying he's a brilliant actor because look how he walks. Yeah, I character. mean, it just it adds like layers to like how much of a scumbag this villain is, really. But is he really? Because at the end, you know, you've got that grin on his face. Yeah. We got we to gotta always contest with that. He's not creepy. It's not a creepy villain. No. So, so much as just... Greedy. Greedy and like... You just want to take him down because... You're like, really? You have to be this bunch of a dickhead? Yeah. I just love, like, his... It's his movements. It's, like, when he's in his, like, stupid little hamster ball chair. That doesn't like, make sense if we're going <laughs> to get picky. Now, I don't get picky scientifically with sci-fi very often. But when you have to get up in the Oasis, when you have to be running around, your legs have to be moving in order to simulate a real-life experience, laying back in a recliner... Wouldn't give you that unless it somehow taps into your brain, which we weren't wasn't explained that way. No, it wasn't, but it was the so most be, expensive. Imagine laying in a recliner and trying to pretend that you're running to kick your legs up. I mean, it wouldn't work. So maybe, that's the maybe, only thing I'm like, okay, okay, I just have to accept it. Maybe his is the top, cl- the the best technology ever. The one that does wire your synapses and like it something, makes you yeah, like reads your brain. Yeah, but none of that's explained. No, it just looks like he's in a giant. Like hamster seat, <laughs> like a sports car seat. Half a ball. Yeah. Uh, excellent. I love Ben Mendelsohn. I thought he was a perfect choice for this buddy. In fact, when I read the book and I was thinking of the buddy, that is a better version of my version that was in my head. So, yeah, I thought he was really good. Yeah. Lena Waith plays H. I think you like H a lot, don't you? I do, yeah. H is my favorite, I think. The surprise of H is 
not a surprise to me. No. I knew anyway, didn't I? But I bet you did. I bet you figured it out pretty quick, right? Mm, I didn't really give it any thought. In the first time I'll you watched it. I'll be honest. Yeah, I didn't really think about it. I just think that the synthesized voice that they use is not very good at disguising what... Well, remember, she's poor. Right. So whatever she has to cover her voice up is whatever she's got. She is very funny in it. H's. She's the most wacky, kind yeah. of over-the-top character, but I didn't mind. I, I liked her. I liked her a lot. Uh, TJ Miller plays Irock. What did you think of Irock? Oh, yeah. I thought he was good. <laughs> I was like, who? The guy himself I haven't liked, like, in Transformers. I hated him. <laughs> he didn't last long but, um, in one of the Transformers. We couldn't believe that that happened in that Transformers. I was like, what? We're I mean, like, I wasn't upset about it. Isn't but... he like the sidekick throughout the whole movie? He's going to be the funny guy, right? And the Transformer <laughs> felt the same way about him that I did, or yeah. whatever did him in. I don't know. But um, no, I really liked his voice. I liked that they made him like, you can imagine this, like, super I, I, nerdy guy. It was not even boy. a nerdy I don't even think he's a fan. No, no. I think he's different than that. He's the guy who knows he can make loads of money sitting here playing this game all day. So he just gets really good at it. And now he's like the badass guy. But in reality, he's kind of whiny and he's like, I got this neck thing. And I just thought that was kind of cute. Yeah. I I was thinking about that. You know, if you do VR too much, you're moving your head around and all that. People would get bad necks eventually, I think. So And he keeps complaining about his bad neck. I I don't generally like TJ Miller, but he really did. You could see that Spielberg really likes him. Yeah. In the uh, extras. Uh, but yeah, I liked him as Irock. Simon Pegg plays Ogden Morrow. What do you think of Simon? I mean, we know Simon Pegg. He's all right. I mean, it inspired me to send Simon Pegg a tweet, though, because I think he, this is my idea, so if you want to steal it, I don't care as long as you do it. He needs to make a movie as the star and be the greatest American hero 35 years later. Anybody else? Anybody? Show of hands? Because he'd be it'd <laughs> be funny. And he just seems like he'd be that guy. Uh, yeah. Uh, Do you uh, know what the greatest American hero is, everybody? Yes. yes, yes, yes. Not, oh, I just did what you did. I'm guilty. Does everybody know what it is? Concerning this uh, movie, Simon Pegg is okay. I oh, hate, yeah, it's just neutral. I hate the American accent they make him have yeah. in these movies. In the Mission Impossible movies, he has it as well. It's really bland. It's like it's like an English person who thinks they know how an American accent it is. It, like, drops his voice a bit. It's not right. It's just, yeah. it's just like, why couldn't this guy be British? It doesn't make any sense. Um, Mark Rylance, who I really, really like, by the way. Uh, if you've seen Spielberg's Bridge of Spies... Mark, he won an Oscar for it, actually. Yeah, he was friend. really good. Yeah, he's fantastic. And in this movie, he just, like, touched my heart all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's, yeah. like, he's, he's, like, he's just so lovable to me. Like, he's exactly, I mean, he's this guy who invented the Oasis. And inside him is a bit of a, like, rebellious streak. Like, he doesn't like rules. And it's kind of clear, like with his Easter eggs, like what he wants you to break the rules, right? Yep. Um, I love that about him, but also he's kind of like socially awkward. He, you know, he didn't get the love of his life because of that, right? There's just a whole sad 
And it's a bit sad. You know that part at the end where he's sat in a room with himself? <laughs> yeah. I bring him out every once in a while and he's talking about Doesn't himself as a child. Doesn't that very sad though? Yes. Right? A little bit weird yeah. and very much sad. Yeah, yes. But I mean, I just want to like hug him or something. That's how I felt about Mark Rylance. He has a terrible wig. I don't understand that. So does Simon Pegg. Yeah. Really They, they wanted to make them both look older, obviously. But they can never do... You know, they can make the whole Oasis look so cool. <laughs> yeah. But they can't develop a wig that looks right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the most amazing costumes and outfits and vehicles and sets that are incredibly... I mean, actual sets built. And then you get this crappy wig on people. It happens over and over and over. What do you take away from um, the final scene? where um, Wade says to uh, Halliday, you're not an avatar, are you, in here? Mm. And he says, no. And he sa- then he says, are you dead? And he says, yes. What do you take away from that? What is happening there? I don't know. No, me neither. And I've, I've seen this movie three times, and I've read the book twice, and I still don't know what to think about that. <laughs> you know? Does it like, bother what, you? Like, what was he thinking? Like, what, I mean, obviously it means something. But I, I, I can't even get a grasp on what it means. Does it, you know? Like, is he in there? Did he put him, is it that thing where is he's figured out? Has his consciousness been uploaded into that? Exactly. Properly? Are we like, supposed yeah. to be led to believe? I don't know. I don't know. And if you think too hard about it, I think you, you just can't solve it. And it Correct. really annoys you. <laughs> I can't solve it. I don't, you know. But I love Matt Rylance. Directed by Mr. Steven Spielberg. He's directed some other movies. A couple. 33 of them, to be precise. Some you might have heard of. Yeah. I don't think we have to list them off, but I did. I just wrote Jaws. I think that's all I need to say, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, then there's Close Encounters of the Third Kind. There is the, um, what's the one I always forget? There's Munich. two. Catch Me If You Can. Munich, of course. Um, Saving Private the, Ryan. Tr- the, the, in the airport. Whatever that's the Terminal. Called. The Terminal. Things like that. Goonies. Things that you don't remember. The Post. Yeah, I've never seen that one yet. He made that one in in a, in between this one and now, right? Like he just shoved it in there. While they were doing the post production for this one, he made the post, which was also <laughs> nominated for Academy yeah. Awards. It's yep. like he can do that without even trying. Yeah, it's like, uh, what am I going to do while I'm waiting for these special effects to be finished? Oh, I'll just go make an Academy Award nominated <laughs> movie with Meryl Streep and <laughs> Michael Keaton. Yeah. So yeah, we know who Steven Spielberg is. I love Steven Spielberg. Obviously, a big part of my childhood. I still love E.T. and Raiders and Close Encounters is amazing, I think. I love Close Encounters. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's Steven Spielberg. You know... <laughs> Everybody you know, knows. You like know, the, um, the, what I feel for James Halliday in this movie, how I feel about him. I feel about that about Steven Spielberg as well. As a person. <laughs> I just want to hug him <laughs> and say... I don't think Steven Spielberg is shy or afraid or alone in any way. But so I want to say thanks, Steven. You don't have to feel bad for you him. You know what I mean? Steven, yeah. you've, you've, you've pretty, you know, you've changed, you've enhanced a lot of people's lives, I think. So, so if anyone were to actually build the Oasis, you'd want it to be Steven Spielberg. And um, you're a guy who, from Llamasoft. <laughs> yeah. Those two together to build. Yeah. The real Oasis. All right, so um, extras on this. There are actually a lot of extras, and we watched them all. Yeah. There's 90 minutes of extras, actually. Well, it didn't seem that long, because it was, it was good. It was well made. Yeah, it's, you know when you watch uh, Blu-rays these days, and there's just those promotional extras, and you sit and watch them, and you're like, 
Wow. There was nothing. Like, I didn't learn anything. It was just some interviews, and it, they kept playing the trailer over and over in the background. This is not that. They got, like, they had a crew, a documentary crew, who, um, and they have a lot of interviews with everybody, and Steven Spielberg isn't afraid to talk. He doesn't sit in the back and, like, I'm an artist and I don't talk. He we always to- like to bring up Malik because Malik is like he doesn't exist. Right. But he does. Paul Thomas Anderson is a bit like that. He doesn't talk very much. I think he thinks he's too precious. I don't get that. But um, Spielberg is not afraid to show you what the technology is, what he's doing, how this movie's being made. This covers everything, doesn't it? It covers like mm-hmm. costuming and doing. We didn't the sets. get the music. That no. wasn't a feature. Um, it covered the eighties a little bit, the beginning, like um, his Ernie Klein's inspiration to make this um so yeah it's a bunch of extras 90 minutes worth it's well worth if you're a fan of the movie you'll actually get to see a little bit of how the shining part was done which was what i was waiting for so ilm discussing how they made the shining work so conclusion um i liked it better than i did the first time and i've seen it three times now and i i liked it the first time I liked it better the second time, and the third time now, I like it better again. I would watch it again. It's really a lot of fun. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> you know? I I would like to watch it on my computer the next time and do some freeze-framing of certain Here's the real scenes. question. Have you ever read the book more than once? Twice I've read this book. Wow. Yeah. Uh, see, that's a surprise, because that wouldn't appeal to me to read a book more than once, but I... Um, oh, let me let me rephrase that. Three times I have read this book. I read it once, and then I read it again, and then I listened to Will Wheaton read the audiobook. Okay, that's two times you read it, and, and one time I've you listened to, listened to it. I yeah. listened to the whole 16 hours of Will Wheaton read it. Nice. So, I've consumed the book three times. There you go. So, um, yeah, that's uh, Ready Player One. It's out now from Warner Brothers, and thank you for sending us a copy for review, and I these are the kind of movies that I love. So, please keep sending. Please keep yes. sending them. Um, I um, highly recommend this one. Next week's movie we're looking at is I Feel Pretty. Do you feel pretty? All the time. Me too. (laughs) So we're going to look at somebody else feeling pretty next week. Movie recommendations. I am going on the subject of Ready Player One. I am going with one of my favorite movies, Tron. You know why I'm recommending Tron? There was some Tron in this, by the way. Was there? Yeah, there was a couple of... There was a Tron light cycle in the race... Not the not the bike that you're looking at, not the Akira bike, but there was right. a Tron light cycle. And there was also one of those weird ships from Tron that looked like a, um, you know, I'm doing this. You, are you looking? I'm not looking at you. This. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, there was one of those in the background in that big battle at the end. So some Tron is involved in this movie, um, thanks to Disney, probably. Imagine all the clearances and stuff they had to do. No kidding. Um, so yeah, I recommend Tron, and I also recommend Tron Legacy. I think Tron Legacy is a better film than Tron, technically. I still and I think it's really cool. Like I don't, I can't um, knock it. Apart from, you know, the obvious thing. Yes. The, oh uh, God. CG yes. representation Ugh. of the dude. Yeah. Horrible. Great movies though, both of them. I really like Tron. And my other one is my Steven Spielberg um, one, and it's the Raiders of the Lost Ark movies. They are awesome. But just forget about that fourth one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, just watch them and that's it. Yeah. Unfortunately, I can't get the bad taste of that fourth one out of my head. Um, They're making another one. 
this year. I, I think what you really didn't like was the guy. Obviously, you're not a big fan of Shia LaBeouf or whatever his you name is. You know what? I, I don't... It's not actually... Shia LaBeouf, I actually kind of liked in it. You know what I didn't like in it? The monkeys. The monkeys. <laughs> yeah. Obviously. That whole scene really makes me go off on it. And um, Ray Winstone. Oh, yeah. Who was... Like he was like amateur. Like, yep, I agree. I, I really hated him in it, but I really loved um, the bad woman, Kate Blanchett. Yeah, I thought she was excellent. But Ray Winstone just uh, when he when he comes on, it was on, and I was it was on YouTube TV, and I was watching, and then Ray Winstone came, and I was like, oh my god, who who hired him for this? <laughs> <laughs> and, who are you? Who is he? And you know that I actually like Ray Winstone. Yep. You know, but not in the, not in that movie. So they're my recommendations. Tron and Raiders of the Lost Ark trilogy. And mine are going back to you. We first brought up the genre of the rape slash revenge movies. Mostly revenge, but rape is the catalyst for the ones we were discussing. And one of them we watched this week was called Revenge. Just straight up revenge. And it's not the only one called that. So this is from, I think it was 2016. No, 2018. 2018, okay. It's the most recent. There's one out there, 2011, and a couple yeah. other older ones. But, um, And it's it's unsettling. It's disturbing. It is all the things, and it's not for children or anyone young or anyone with any sort of delicacies at all. So just don't watch it and then be like, oh, you, it was terrible and offensive. Well, don't watch it then because it's, you know, men being horrible and a woman getting revenge. It's very simple. It's very straightforward. You can't pick it apart, but it looks really amazing. I really like her performance, the whole thing. I was impressed. Um, and then, I, was, I was about to say, in that movie, Revenge, that we just watched, the most horrifying scene, I reckon, for you is when that man's eating that chocolate bar. <laughs> yeah, it was awful. <laughs> well, no, it was not the most horrible, but it's just obvious that the woman who directed it, by the way, it's directed by a woman, and I think written by, um, yeah, it is, yeah. picks up on the same disgust disgusting behavior of men no offense because i love you but men in general of these things that were there that she's picking on in one of them in this disgusting eating of this candy bar zoomed in on his mouth and i wanted to just reach through the screen and pull his teeth out it it's isn't disgusting. just the zooming in on the mouth it's the really uh. awful sound effects <laughs> like, i can <laughs> feel it plus people might not know i can't handle people eating or listen to people eating, or chewing, or gulping, or slurping, or sucking on any food of any kind. Then uh, it makes me just shudder. So that was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so that was pretty bad. And the other one is uh, called The Bad Batch. And we only found this just accidentally going through Netflix, looking at stuff. I was like, I'm in the mood for a movie, but I don't know what. And I flicked through a couple, and you go, oh, what was that one? Flicked back to it, read the thing, and I was like. Okay, we'll watch it. And it was actually pretty fun. It's not great. It's not a well-written story, necessarily, if you're looking for any sort of, like, literary triumphs here. It's not cinematically fantastic, but it is weird. And it's like a... We don't know. It's in the future, but maybe not far in the future, where the Bad Batch or people who are rejected from society are just basically put... Across on the other side of this fence or wall. So keep it's that in mind. political a little bit. Yeah. Oh, it's very political. It's, it's overtly political about how we try to discard people in society that we just don't 
want mixing with the rest of us. And so, but it's like, it's low budget, I'm assuming. Yeah, very and low budget. it's got cannibalism and missing limbs and... It Keanu looks, Reeves. It's got Keanu Reeves and Jim Carrey, but they're irrelevant. So don't think of that as a thing. They're completely irrelevant. It didn't even have to be them. They're just in it. Um, Giovanni Rabisi. Yep. Yeah, also. I mean, he's kind of weird and avant-garde at times anyway. The in movie's a lot of avant-garde, roles. isn't it? And it's it's a, not fully. It has moments where your brain is like, what? <laughs> but it's not fully avant-garde if we're talking artistically, but... It's called The Bad Batch, and if you're just flicking around Netflix and you're like, hmm, what's like a weird popcorn flick? I've got some beer to drink and we're going to have some fun. It's It's got cannibalism in it, though, so be just a warning. Removal of limbs? It does. It has people with missing arm and leg. But here's a, the thing about it, too. We learned she didn't do any CGI. This is all in camera. Which makes it even more amazing when you yeah, watch it. Yeah, and these people are not missing their limbs. And Well, some of them <laughs> might have been. There were some peripheral people like laying around who obviously had been... But not our leading lady, and it never no. looks phony. No, I was convinced it was this green arm, you know, a green yeah. sleeve she had, but nope. So The Bad Batch and Revenge, two off-the-beaten-path movies. Um, Revenge, I don't know if it's on Netflix. It isn't. It's too new. It's on a okay. VOD. Like You have to go and rent okay. it from Voodoo. Right. So there you go. Yeah. And what's for supper? Yes. Are you asking me? Freddy's. No, I'm, a, I'm not asking you. I haven't actually finished yet. Oh, we haven't got there yet? I played a, <laughs> no, I played a, a game this week called... Uh, I've played this game before, No Man's Sky. Remember that game? About two years ago. Maybe yeah, a year ago? Yeah, I remember. It was... It was exciting and then very quickly boring. Yeah. It was like it promised everything and delivered almost nothing, right? Correct. Was that how you would describe it? I mean, we played together, and so that was kind of fun for a couple of hours here and there. Maybe two hours we lasted before we didn't play it again. I just had no desire to ever play it again. So we're, um, what, two years later, and they've released a patch for it called No Man's Sky Next. This is a free patch if you already own the game. It'll just patch itself on Steam, or if you're on a console, it'll just patch itself. And they've almost completely reworked the game. It's got a new graphics engine. The gameplay is more... Um, it's tighter. Like, it gives you things to do. Like, you know what to do instead of just... Um, how would you explain how it used to be? It's not, there wasn't really a... You walk around, pick up stuff, walk around, pick up stuff, walk around, pick up stuff, walk around, pick up stuff. That's all I where, remember. Where, where? Different planets in the universe. Yeah. And but they, it was really not as exciting as I had hoped. And the promise was what? Like, you can go to any planet... There's millions of planets and you can go to any of them. Correct. And right. you'll never find the same thing twice, which is a complete lie. I mean, you might not find exactly No, 100%. they were exactly the same with a t- I mean, okay, not exact. They were the same animals over and over and over and over and over, just with a tiny little difference. So how the game works is it's got procedural generation. So there are a load of shapes for animals, and randomly it fits together shapes, and there's an animal for that planet. So... With a limited number of shapes. So nice. you have a limited number of combinations, which makes a very limited number of variations. When you've gone to 20 planets and you've seen 10 animals, it's very underwhelming. Right, so now it's a lot different because there's a lot more geometry that can be changed on the animals. So they can be very weird. I've seen some really weird ones this time. Um, the planets are a lot different this time because they've changed the graphics engine, so it's not just... 
Here's a red planet with some green bushes and uh, some rocks. It, there's more graphics to it, if you know what I mean. Like, So there's a lot more variation. But what is the biggest change in it is you're allowed to build bases now. So if you find a planet that you really like, you can build a home base on that planet and you can always walk back to that planet to get resources. So if you That's find good. A, yeah, if you find a really awesome planet that is full of like exotic resources, you can make your base there and then go to somewhere else. And if you need more copper, you can come back and... Easily and quickly. Whereas before quick. it was like, did, where did we go? Ten yeah. planets ago? Yeah, like who, who knows how we get back there, you know. Um, so it's... Almost to me, and from what I've played so far, it is the game it was supposed to be at the beginning. They're still promising another year's worth of free content for it. They want to keep patching it and keep adding stuff. So maybe now is the time to buy into it, or maybe a year from now is the time to buy into it. But if you like space exploration with like an open-ended kind of nature, No Man's Sky might be where you should look. Um, it's really weird because... Because it's just been patched, they've put the price back up to $60, which is a bit cheeky, I think, because it's been 40 for the longest time. And in a Steam sale last year, No Man's Sky was actually down to $10. But now because this patch has fixed everything, they've gone back to 60 again. I think mm. that's cheeky. I think the, the actual discount should have still applied. Agree. But if you already owned it, it was a free update. But yeah, they're trying to catch those new players and make them pay $60 again for it. But um, yeah, it's very it's very cool. It's No Man's Sky. So now you can tell me what's for dinner. <laughs> Freddy's. Freddy's veggie burger. We like are vegetarian. <laughs> yes, Freddy Krueger is coming over to make us some dinner. No, it's um, Freddy's frozen custard and steak burgers, which we're vegetarian. So you'd be like, why are you going there? Well, they have a really good black bean burger and we love their french fries and their fry sauce. Yeah. And why not? So that's what we've been doing on movie day lately, and it's delicious and satisfying, and so that's that. It's one of the best um, veggie burgers that I've tasted, really. It's down. To I mean, like, we could buy those veggie burgers because yeah, they're just black like burgers. Grill taste to it, which belongs to that. Grill, yeah, you know. True. I would say smoky, but I don't really like smoky. But it's more barbecue, like it's been on a barbecue grill. Well, it's on the yeah, it's on their. Great yeah. grill or whatever it is. That and it definitely cooking. adds a taste. Or maybe they just put it in the microwave. I don't know. I don't think they do. I think it's on the grill. But anyway, Freddy's. Freddy's. It's really good. If you don't have a Freddy's in you, I've just realized, I had to go and look up to see if you could buy the sauce. <laughs> it's freddysusa.com if you want to go and have a look. They do all kinds of, you know, if you're a meat lover, they do all that too. Yeah. And if you just want a black bean burger, Morningstar has a really good frozen black bean burger that you can throw in a skillet with a little bit of olive oil or a little bit of margarine cook it up and it's really good too what is your advice i didn't come up with any f I'm, it, it says f on this show notes <laughs> that's probably whatever began last week's i don't know this week i have i can go by my present experience my experience over the weekend was a friend of mine one of my best friends from the time i was 13 years old called and said she has an upcoming vacation wants to spend a day doing something just fun and was willing to drive down and we live near Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri. So why don't we just go down there for a day and a night? And I was like, well, yeah, <laughs> duh. She goes, well, some of my friends will say they don't have enough money and some don't want to go all the way. And she's like, but I'll, I'd love to. And we had a great time. So 
if a friend asks you to go on what I'm calling a friendcation, you know how I hate those kinds of words? That sounds like something from Bob's Burgers. A friendcation (laughs) is when you go on a vacation with just your friend for like a day. It's very brief. It's a mini vacation with your friend. And we just had a great time and I'm culling, culling through, as they like to say in the photography world. I'm looking through all of my pictures now and I have some random ones. You know, when you go to a a place that has a theme and you would say it would remind you of Brighton, right? Because in England, it's the kind of place where everything, yeah, it's themed for the water. It's themed for partying. It's themed for all the inappropriate things that in the rest of your life or in the rest of places is inappropriate, like bikinis that have like arrows that point down to the crotch and, you know, all kinds of, just it's a party town and then there's like this flip side of it where a lot of it's kind of run down and haggard and broken and lots of empty storefronts so those are kind of closed and then the next one is like a bar where it's supposed to look all glitzy and glam but everyone just looks like they've just come off a boat after a day of being sunburned and drunk and it's not classy and but we just had a great time. One place was called Larrywood, or he had Larrywood sign, just like the Hollywood sign that's up on this hill up above the bar. And one guy who owns one of the bars, he's just this old guy, he has a band, and he just comes out whenever they open and sings. He's the band that sings all evening. Sings like Jimmy Buffett songs, you know, and gets the crowd all into it. Now, by the time we got there, it started raining, so that was an interesting thing. We also went to Ha Ha Tonka Park. Which is where a cat, a guy built a castle, right in southern Missouri, in the tw- teens and twenties, nineteen tens, twenties, and then it burned down at some point, and now it's just like a castle ruins on this big, huge hill overlooking part of the lake, and so that was pretty cool. It was just great. So if your friend calls and says, "Do you want to go do something?" Just do it. <laughs> That's my advice. Nice advice. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, if you want to catch uh, us, you can go to ascully.com or sitdog.com. Catch us on Twitter. If you want to take me on a mini vacation, let me know. You can catch us on Twitter. You can catch Sit Talk on Facebook, but probably not me. You can catch the After the Show group on Facebook. Correct. Um, And congratulations to Mark Zuckerberg for... (laughs) Having a hard time. Having a hard time this week. (laughs) Losing $16 billion. (laughs) Um, I don't really feel too heartbroken. If Facebook went away, I wouldn't give a shit, to be honest. I mean, I'm on it all the time, but it's not like... It's not vital to my life. I'm so. anti-Facebook now because they ruined my account somehow. <laughs> that's what, that was, I put a jinx on Zuckerberg this week because he ruined my account and that's what happened. You Under your breath, you're like, screw him. I hope he loses $16 million. And then you're like, oh, he did. Oh, it <laughs> um, so yeah, I wanna, you can catch this podcast on the Google Play Store, the iTunes Music Store. You can uh, go to aschoolie.com, click on the word podcast. All the subscription options are there, including YouTube. And you can ask your Amazon device, play the After the Show movie podcast on TuneIn, and it will play you the latest episode. Email feedback to me at aschoolyascoolie.com. Don't email Sid Talk. And stay classy, Mr. Steven Spielberg. You have given us some of the greatest movies of all time throughout your career. Nice. How how genuinely nice of you. And I'm going to say think for yourself or someone will do it for you. 